Hello, and welcome to The Reconstruction, a show about moving capital toward justice. I'm Monique Aiken, Managing Director of TIP, the Investment Integration Project, and Contributing Editor at Impact Alpha. In this series of conversations, I'll be exploring the opportunity for systemic change in this current moment, lifting up the leaders, problem solvers, and bright minds, both in the U.S. and around the world, who can guide us to the next normal that we need. We are honored to have Dr. Tiffany Crutcher and Greg Robinson here with us today. Among the many organizations she contributes to, Dr. Crutcher is a founder of the Demanding a Just Tulsa Coalition and founder and executive director of the Terrence Crutcher Foundation, created to fight for justice after the murder of her twin brother, shot by a police officer when he had his hands in the air. Greg is a former mayoral candidate for Tulsa, where he is the director of family and community ownership at the MetCares Foundation. He is a longtime community organizer who also worked on the 2012 Obama re-election campaign. Both have a leading role in the Black Wall Street Legacy Festival, formed to commemorate the centennial of the Tulsa Race Massacre, honor its victims, including some that are still living, as well as their descendants, and help to chart the future of Tulsa's Greenwood, the neighborhood where the atrocities took place. So with that, I'd like to welcome you both to the reconstruction. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much, Monique. It's a pleasure. So many people don't know the story of Black Wall Street. And the horrific events of the 24-hour to 48-hour period, beginning May 31st, 1921. Human Rights Watch says this was one of the worst incidents of racial violence in U.S. history. Can you paint us the picture of what life was like in that time and what happened that led to the murder of hundreds of Black people and the destruction of homes and businesses that day? Greg, would you like to get started sharing that story? Yeah, thank you, Monique. I am going to take us back, actually, to three years before uh, the 1921 race massacre. And I'm going to take us to 1918, uh, where there was a Ku Klux Klan rally uh, just west of the Greenwood District. And if you can imagine uh, the Klansmen there gathering, looking to their east and seeing uh, the most fabulous Black community in the United States of America. Uh, Certainly we have to understand that uh, when you realize that within a 40 block radius, there were uh, upwards of 300 businesses, that uh, there were world renowned surgeons like Dr. A.C. Jackson, that there were uh, hotels uh, of the highest caliber in our country, like the Stratford Hotel owned by J.B. Stratford, uh, that there were multiple uh, news publications, that there were uh, multiple families that had uh, their own private planes. You're talking about uh, this occurring at a time when Jim Crow was the law of the land. And so certainly uh, there was uh, a uh, an anxiety that lived amongst uh, certain white people within not just the city of Tulsa, but across the country about what was happening in Tulsa. So when you think about that, uh, now let's move to uh, the 1921 time period where uh, there was an incident, certainly uh, with a young man known as Dick Rowland or Diamond Dick uh, and a young lady, Sarah Page, But that incident was really just an excuse uh, for what would end up happening. Uh, The destruction of this magnificent community uh, 
not just some buildings burned, all of them right down to the ground, but not before uh, the goods were looted, not before uh, the grand pianos were claimed. The, the prisoners marched through the streets uh, in scenes that we've really only seen uh, in, a, in a war uh, movie of, of some sort march to uh, internment camps. These are Tolsons being locked up by other Tolsons in their own communities. I think uh, the thing to realize is that this did not happen over one to two hours. As you mentioned before, it happened over two days. And so the reality was that it was a systematic destruction of uh, what was built, not just by a few uh, Black folks in the city of of Tulsa, but something that was built by a community of black people across the state of Oklahoma. At this time, there were were more than 50 all black towns in the state of Oklahoma. It was thought at a certain point that Oklahoma may be brought into the union as the first black state. That is because of a lot of uh, not just African-Americans migrating, but freedmen, as we know them, uh, being freed from from their their slave chains and bondage uh, of Native Americans, tribes that had them in captivity. And so uh, we have to understand that uh, Tulsa was really the crown jewel uh, of, and, and Greenwood and Black Wall Street, more specifically, was the crown jewel uh, of what could occur when when black people were able to pull their resources together, uh, pull their talents together, and create uh, a life livelihood and a safety net uh, for their children. Uh, and it was supposed to be something there uh, that created generational wealth for the decades to come. Uh, unfortunately, because of the massacre, what happened uh, on May thirty first and June first, uh, that is no longer. It certainly was no longer the case, and we are where we are today. Tiffany, would you like to add some additional color? Uh, not much, and and thank you so much for having me, Monique. Um, Greg painted the picture clearly. Um, as I was listening to Greg talk about what happened over those two days, I couldn't help but just close my eyes and, and picture my great-grandmother, Rebecca Brown Crutcher, who was there at the time, she was a teenager and she had to flee in fear of her life. I'm a third generation descendant of a survivor. And I often just sit back and ponder and wonder what was she thinking? What was it like being just in the middle of sheer terror, racial terror, violence, and having to leave everything that you once owned your business, your home, just so you could survive. And and I'm so thankful um, that she did or I wouldn't be here today. And so um, this is the trauma and the the generational trauma that that we are continuing to deal with today, current day. And so um, Greg painted the picture very, very clear. I had chills. Um, And I I think it's so powerful because you can feel it, the truth of what you shared, Greg, and, um, you know, what strikes me. And we know that justice is not always coming to our communities. And we certainly understand that um, what happened 
there that day in the end, despite the devastation, despite obviously people are in camps. They didn't go there themselves. Someone did something to someone. Things don't burn themselves. And no one was charged. There was no accountability. None. And in some ways, this, you know, stuff changes, but a lot of stuff stays the same. And after 100 years, we still don't find that justice always comes our way. And and I know that that is a tragic part of your personal story as well, Tiffany, that, you know, a personal tragedy beyond that of your grandmother's experience really kind of electrified you and galvanized you and brought you to, you to this work, right? Absolutely. It's definitely a huge part. I, I always like to say that that this trauma, this trauma reverberates through my family's history, dating back 100 years ago. Of course, fast forward in 2016, my twin brother, Terrence Crutcher, uh, was killed by the same police department, the same state-sanctioned violence in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that burnt down my great-grandmother's community. This same culture of policing and same department killed Terrence unarmed with his hands in the air. He wasn't committing a crime. He was leaving Tulsa Community College, trying to better his life through education. And yet he found himself in that same situation. I've drawn so many parallels between what happened in 1921 and what happened in 2016. A mob of white police officers fled to my brother with his hands up and just killed him in cold blood. There was a helicopter looming over my brother and his vehicle with police officers in that helicopter saying that he looked like a bad dude. And I often sit back and ponder the same way I ponder about what my grandmother was thinking, and I often sit back and wonder, what was Terrence thinking those last few minutes, those last few seconds of his life, not knowing what was happening? Those officers didn't know that Terrence was disabled and and couldn't hear in one one ear and, and had a prosthetic eye and couldn't see. Wonder what he was thinking when he just simply needed help, whatever breakdown he was having. He didn't need a bullet. Yet he was doing simply what my father told him to do. Just show your hands. And yet he was tased and shot simultaneously and tased again. They didn't render first aid. They trampled over Terrence and ran to go check on Betty Jo Shelby to see if she was okay. And Terrence took his last breath alone. Betty Shelby was acquitted on all charges. Betty Shelby got her job back. She received restitution. She got back pay. She received reparations. She got her record expunged. And she started teaching other police officers how to survive the aftermath of a critical incident a critical incident that my brother didn't survive, that he didn't deserve. He wasn't under arrest. He wasn't committing a crime. He wasn't a fleeing felon. All he needed was help. And so when I reflect back on the 1921 Tulsa race massacre, there were black men with their hands up in the air. I think about Dr. A.C. Jackson, a prominent 
black doctor, world-renowned surgeon. In the era of Jim Crow, coming out of his home, shot with his hands in the air. I think about the EMT workers that tried to go and at least render some aid, but the Klansmen said, no, don't touch them or we're going to shoot you too. I think about B.C. Franklin, one of the prominent lawyers there at the time, reflecting in some of his, his books saying he, he saw the, the, the airplanes dropping turpentine bombs lingering in the air. Our ancestors and, and none of them, none of the survivors received any restitution, no back pay, no atonement, but yet they allowed the white people to file insurance claims just simply for the ammunition that they lent out and loaned out. The same culture that burned down Black Wall Street, my great-grandmother's community, is the same culture that killed Terrence Crutcher, and they still, to this day, tell us, get over it. Why are you all still talking about this? We didn't do it. Our people didn't do it. Why are you holding people, a community, accountable for something that, that someone else did 100 years ago? They continue to tell my family, why are we still talking about Terrence Crutcher almost four and a half years later? They need to get over it. He deserved to die. It is the same white supremacist culture that we deal with today that was so blatant 100 years ago. And uh, the fight continues. We are so sorry for your loss in such a tragic and preventable way. Uh, it's maddening and, you know, my heart goes out to you and your family that you have to live with this every day of your lives. And, and Greg, I know that this is kind of where your path begins to cross with Tiffany in some ways. Isn't that right? Yes, it is. I um, am from Tulsa, just like Tiffany is. My family uh, is from the area as, as far back uh, as, as my uh, great-grandmother as well. And uh, I was born really the child of an activist. And uh, I owe that to my father, Greg Robinson Sr. Uh, he was actually uh, the person who taught me uh, about uh, Greenwood, Black Wall Street, uh, and then the ensuing massacre. We were driving around downtown and he was describing to me this uh, area that sounded like something out of uh, uh, Chronicles of Narnia because I was looking around and I didn't see anything that he was talking about. And I asked him, where, where did it go? And that's what, that's when he told me the story of the massacre. And I, I distinctly remember uh, at that time, it was uh, just after 2001, which is the, uh, the first time that there was a race massacre commission study done. And he simply said to me, uh, Greg, they're uh, building uh, buildings and highways over your ancestors' bones. And um, I'll never forget that. And so as I developed uh, that activism internally, I found myself obviously working across the country in democratic campaigns. And 
Uh, it was 2016, and I was uh, in a Democratic uh, battle uh, on the, the Hillary Clinton team. Uh, and I thought I was doing uh, all that I could for my community by being there. Uh, but when the video of the murder of Terrence Crutcher came across my phone, just a block uh, away from my childhood home, something in me said there is much more work to be done a lot closer to home than you are right now. Uh, and it was shortly after that campaign that I returned home, uh, visited uh, the the trial of, of Terrence Crutcher, and like so many, uh, prayed and hoped uh, that justice would be done only uh, to be disappointed. I remember looking up at the Mayo Hotel, actually, that night. And I'm not sure people know this, but there was an after-party throne for Betty Shelby uh, at that time. And I remember looking up and, and crying uh, with, my, with my wife uh, and, and just saying, wow, uh, that's what you get for killing an uh, uh, innocent Black man. You get a party thrown for you uh, in, the, in the nicest hotel in downtown Tulsa. Uh, and so certainly uh, it was shortly after that that I met uh, Dr. Tiffany Crutcher uh, and and tried to have since tried to use uh, any tools at my disposal, any talents at my disposal from an organizing standpoint uh, to really follow uh, her courageous lead. I say to her all the time and I say to anyone who's in her presence that uh, this entire Crutcher family uh, gave us a gift. They uh, have taken their brother's blood, their son's blood, and they have made it our blood uh, as well. And I firmly believe that it is because of that sacrifice that we will ultimately uh, not only see justice for the Crutcher family, but I believe it is through that sacrifice that we will ultimately finally get the long overdue justice uh, for the ancestors, the descendants, and the survivors of the Tulsa uh, race massacre. And so um, you know, it's a blessing, obviously, uh, and, a, and a great responsibility to be in the position I think both Tiffany and I are in now, where we're saying there are so many people uh, like Tiffany's mom, like my father, like the many descendants who have passed on. Uh, that we'll never get to see that justice in the flesh. Uh, but certainly it's our responsibility to make sure that justice is done. And so that's what we're committed to doing. I have nothing but the deepest respect for you both and, and your ability to take this energy that could have destroyed you in your own grief and in the, um, the trauma that you've individually and collectively experienced in the city and take that energy and do something positive with it. And, you know, what I've read about the Black Wall Street Legacy Festival and the centennial that you all are planning, and you have powerful support behind you to do this. Congressman Sheila Jackson Lee, Senator Cory Booker, I understand are part of this. But really the work is a study in radical collaboration, which is one of the ways that we need to work in order to bring on a more just outcome for you personally for Tulsa and really nationally, globally. And this commemoration is separate from the city's comm commemoration. So can you talk a little bit about the authenticity and the, the, what you have planned for your festival? And really what does that, what does it mean 
for all of you to be pulling together with so many different groups to, to bring this together. Sure. Well, thank you so much for, for that. And um, we are definitely honored uh, to be in the positions that we're in to, to, to help lead the community in commemorating and paying homage to, to the lives that were lost at the hands of, uh, of the massacre. And yeah, you're correct that the city is leading a commemoration, a series of events uh, kicking off on the 31st. Um, but the problem with, with, with that is, is that they forgot about a few people. Well, a whole lot of people, including the living survivors, the descendants in the black community. Um, this Centennial Race Massacre Commission that you're speaking of, Monique, um, led by the state of Oklahoma, led by the city of Tulsa, um, has a long list of individuals who don't respect black people. Um, their track record shows that they don't serve the best interest of black people. People who serve on this particular entity, they don't utter the words Black Lives Matter. And I'm not just really just throwing paint on the wall. I'm telling you what we've seen. If you look at their voting records in, in Congress, if you look at their voting records at the State House, if you look at the bills that our governor has signed, if you look at at, at, at our, our, our mayor, Mayor G.T. Bynum, who went on TV, who went on national TV and and said that rep reparations would be divisive uh, for our community. Um, these are the people who are hosting a commemoration in honor of, of, of Black people. And so what we decided to do, um, the community, the survivors, and the descendants, we decided to create our own table and, and truly show honor in an authentic way, as you stated, in a sincere way, and and really center people, center people. And so we are honored to, to kick off on May 28th with the Black Wall Street Legacy Fest with a memorial march actually led by the three last known living survivors. And I have to always say their names. Mother Viola Fletcher, Mother Lessie Benningfield Randall, and Hughes Van Ellis, we call him Uncle Red. Mother Fletcher just turned 107 on Monday. 107 on Monday and on Tuesday, she was at a press conference saying that she deserves justice. At 107, saying that I believe that I deserve justice. Her, her little brother, Uncle Red, who's 100, he was six months old at the time, he'll be coming to Tulsa as well. And, and Mother Randall, she's been a trooper. She hasn't been feeling well these days. And hey, what do you expect at the age of 106? Every day is a gift, right? Every day. But she has done interview after interview saying that I believe I deserve justice. And for an entity to say that reparations would be divisive when there are people who are living that clawed their way through the, the worst time in our nation's history to get to this point, it is an insult and it is a farce. 
And we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that we center them and that we love on them and that we honor them. And so this commemoration is, is, is so much more than just a ceremony and a concert and events. We have a rally cry. We have a call to action. We want the world to know that because of what happened here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there are black people who were robbed of their generational wealth. There are black people who don't own anything in their community. There are black kids who have a life expectancy that's 11 years less than a white kid's life expectancy on the opposite side of the tracks. Our schools are school to prison pipelines and they are, are, are severely under-resourced. We started to celebrate just this week because we finally got a quality grocery store after about a decade because we live in a food desert. I find it sad that we're celebrating because we get a quality grocery store. And yet you have an entity that's promoting cultural tourism that's building skyscrapers, that's gentrified our community, that's pushing black people out of their communities. And yet they're saying that they're leading the nation. Tulsa's leading the nation in racial healing. I find it to be a farce. I find it to be insulting. I'm emotional and I get emotional thinking about it. So yes, we decided that we would create and host our own commemoration activities called the Black Wall Street Legacy Fest. And we've received so much support from around the nation, the Human Rights Watch, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, Mr. Brian Stevenson and the Equal Justice Initiative, Rock Nation, Wes Lowry will be here, Brittany Packnett Cunningham will be here. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, I just got an email from Elizabeth, Senator Elizabeth Warren's office saying, what do we need to do to pay tribute to these survivors? I've been on the phone with the Department of Interior. I've been on the phone with Senator Dick Durbin's office. There are so many people. Uh, attorney, civil rights attorney Ben Crump will be here. The families of George Floyd, the families of Botham John. We will look at this weekend from a variety of perspectives and talk about issues and, and how we can chart a new course for our future. Because you said it at the outset of this call, Monique, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the work that we're doing is just the microcosm of what's happening across this nation. And so we are honored. We have legendary gospel artist John P. Key who will be here. We have Grammy Award winning uh, R&B artist P.J. Morton who will be here. I mean, it's just going to be a, a beautiful, beautiful time. But again, at the end of the day, there's a call to action. There is a call to action. How do we get to a place where we reclaim what was taken from us? How do we get to a place where we can truly get, get the restitution, repair, and respect that we deserve. And, and right now, the work that Greg and I do on a daily basis, when we go to bed at night, when we wake up, there's heavy weights on our shoulders and we're doing it through pain. He's lost his father. I just recently lost my mom this past January to COVID-19 because of poor leadership in this state. She'll never see justice for Terrence, but we know what we're fighting for. But this fight for freedom and liberation is not free. 
and we've started, Greg and I, probably some of the, the, the most prominent and, and, and meaningful and impactful foundations, Black-owned and Black-led foundations in the city of Tulsa. And yet we still have to fight to get a seat at the table. We have to fight to get some funding for the work that we do. And we're going to do it whether we have the funding or not. Our community needs so much and they deserve so much. And so, yes, kicking off May 28th, going through May 31st, we will honor, we will inspire, we will recognize, we will show deference to the most important people. And those are the survivors and the descendants of the worst racial terror attack in U.S. history. And that was right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It, it is so powerful and the work you're doing is so important. And I have said, justice does not fund itself. So as we think about how we're going to actually usher in, there are costs, there are trade-offs. And, um, you know, Greg, if you want to share your perspective on either reacting to Tiffany's comments or really extending that conversation a little bit, we'd love to hear from you too. Absolutely. Um, Tiffany mentioned that we both have foundations here in Tulsa obviously the Terrence Crutcher Foundation, which, uh, yes, is bent towards uh, establishing and ensuring there's police accountability and reform uh, throughout the city, state, and, and frankly, country uh, within the realm of criminal justice. But it is also uh, dedicated to uh, ensuring that young people like Terrence Crutcher's son, uh, Terrence Crutcher Jr., uh, are are able to uh, live and 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 excel, uh, and so the the foundation is committed to supporting uh, young children and and families uh, as well. Obviously, uh, I have the privilege of being in leadership at MetCare's foundation, which uh, takes its mission directly from uh, the descendants of the Tulsa race massacre, and we're committed. Uh, to transforming uh, the outcomes of, of North Tulsa families. Uh, we've started our own school and intentionally named it Greenwood Leadership Academy. Uh, our hope is that uh, that school will uh, be able to uh, train up young people within this community to have pride in who they are, understand what their legacy is and and therefore understand uh, the immensity of their futures uh, if they just believe and take those steps. We've put our resources into training our community members on how to fight uh, for themselves along the lines of not just criminal justice, but of, of food security, uh, of, of, of access to to housing, not just access to a home for themselves, but access to be able to buy the properties next to themselves as well so we can start building some generational wealth. Uh, and and within the space of, of not just our physical health, but our mental health as well. And so uh, that sort of work is the type of work that is needed to rebuild a holistic community like the one uh, that existed in Greenwood, not just in the 20s, but through the 30s, 40s, 
and 50s all the way up until that big bad beast we know as urban removal that we call it came through and destroyed uh, the black communities in Tulsa just as it has done the black communities across this country. Uh, In order to do that, we've got to have investment. Uh, The reality is that we understand the wealth gap in this country is what it is. One one hundredth of the wealth of white folks is what black folks have right now. Uh, in the city of Tulsa right now, uh, the household income is nearly double uh, for white families than it is for black families. Those are, those are realities. Uh, and so in order for us to do the work uh, that we've set out to do, In order for us to do the work, frankly, that a lot of corporations and philanthropic entities say that they are trying to do, uh, we've got to get investment into uh, Black-led organizations like the Crutcher Foundation, like Medcare's Foundation, but there are many more uh, in the city of Tulsa and, frankly, across this country. Uh, The answer to our problems is certainly not uh, being further subjugated. Uh, or being told how to uh, improve ourselves by a white power structure who has been ultimately the reason for our uh, oppression. Uh, The answer is uh, to invest in us and and to get out the way and allow us to do our work. Uh, And so that is certainly the message that we would carry forward uh, and impart on anyone trying to make impact investments is don't fall into the the trap of white supremacy. Uh, Don't believe uh, the lie that black people and communities of color can't do for themselves. Uh, If you give us the tool, if you give us the resource, uh, we certainly can figure out how to use it properly. Uh, We've done more with less uh, throughout our entire existence. It's the only reason we're still living and breathing uh, to this day. And so that's just the that's the long and short of it. Uh, we can we can transform our communities. We can build the sorts of healthy, vibrant communities that are going to promote growth and safety for our families into the future. Uh, but we've got to be in the driver's seat of that. Uh, and for those who want to help, you help by providing us that investment uh, and then allowing us to do uh do that work uh, that we're, we're doing day in and day out, regardless of whether you're there or not. As we know, the road to somewhere is paved with good intentions. And when folks don't listen, like you were just describing, to the needs of affected communities, because folks had their own plans in mind and did not get proximate and did not listen to the voices that they should. So tell us, a century after this massacre, and in your estimation, being so close to the survivors, the descendants, yourselves, in some, in the case of uh, Tiffany, what does the Greenwood community need now for us to get behind all of you? Well, thank you so much for that question, uh, and and that's a layered question, but 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 it's simple. I mean, we 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 need your voice first and foremost, and and if I could speak to. Um, any of our white friends and allies that are listening, uh, I would say that it's no longer acceptable to not realize the privilege that that you walk in. Um, 
it's just no longer acceptable and, and we need you to use it for the greater good. We need you to use it um, to, to, to really, really push. But, but we need for people to get behind us in this fight for, for restitution and for, for reparations. Uh, we need the funding just like everybody else needs it. Um, we need for you all to help us close uh, uh, these these wealth gaps. I think Greg outlined it perfectly. Um, but but right now there's calls to action. Justiceforgreenwood.org. Simple points, common sense points. You know, repay the victims of, of this atrocious massacre. You know. Pay the descendants scholarships for the next 100 years, tax abatement for the next 100 years, return the land that was taken from our community, this land that, that we consider an opportunity zone. Just, we, we just need opportunity. If you just give us opportunity, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll build on that opportunity and then support. I like to think about the Mariah Fund and this Black Voices for Black uh, Justice Fund, co-chaired by Kerry Washington and Wes Moore, Moore and Tanika Boyd and Shavar Jeffries and John B. King and so many more. They created this fund to invest in people like Greg and myself, to invest in people who are on the front lines uh, fighting for, for the right to, to walk outside free, for the right um, to, to eat ice cream in their, their living room, for the right um, to, to ride their bikes and to, to, to drive their cars. And, and, and so they decided to invest in us. No strings attached. Do what you want because we believe in you. We see you. We know your track record. Trust-based giving. And so this fight for justice, again, it, it just isn't free. And we can never, as black organizations, have enough money because the need is so great in our community. We're looking at this from a holistic approach, and, and it starts young. We're, we're reimagining what community safety could look like. We're reimagining what, what, what the 911 system could look like. We're reimagining what our schools could look like, you know, right now. And it takes resources to do this takes resources to build back up our communities. It takes jobs. Greg ran on a campaign of justice for all and creating pathways of economic mobility for everyone, no matter your zip code. And so we need for people to get in alignment with the needs of our community and, and, and the talking points of repair, respect, and restitution. And again, we can't have enough resources um, to do this work. Yeah, I would I would add that um, there are multiple different lanes for uh, everyone out there to support. Uh, certainly, uh, if you are concerned with honoring the descendants and the the survivors, but but those that were lost as well, uh, I encourage you to go to uh, Black Wall Street Memorial dot com and to to donate. Uh, we are building a memorial uh, to those lives that were lost, uh, and, and we need the support to do that. Uh, if you are a person who uh, thinks that uh, tech is, is the economy of the future, uh, I encourage you to go to blacktechstreet.com, uh, which is born uh, of a local 
uh, Tolson here and his vision, his name is Tyrants Billingsley, his vision is to uh, recreate Black Wall Street into the future uh, through tech, blacktechstreet.com. If you uh, feel that music uh, is a pathway to liberation, uh, I encourage you to visit fineLittleAfrica.com and to, to tap in and uh of and tap in and to to research uh, Dr. Stevie Johnson, Dr. or DJ View, uh, and and donate and support uh, there. Uh, if you feel that uh, education is the way uh, into the future, then go to metcaresfoundation.org and donate to uh, Greenwood Leadership Academy. I purposefully say those things because within each of our areas, whether it's Terrence Crutcher Foundation. Uh, and the work that Tiffany is doing to honor our ancestors with the Black Wall Street Memorial, whether it's through the tech space, whether it's through the music space, whether it's through education. Again, our goal is to build a holistic community. Uh, and we we have set up the, the groundwork to allow that to happen. Uh, and so your dollars uh, can truly make an impact in pushing us forward in that way. And then while you're doing that, uh, hashtag justice for Greenwood and tell the world uh, around you why those of us here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, certainly uh, need to be having the conversation about reparations. Uh, And ultimately, uh, the country needs to be having the conversation about reparations uh, for the the harm that has been done and has not been repaired uh, to those of us here that are, are Black uh, of, of African descent. So um, that's how you can help. And, and Monique, thank you uh, for giving us this platform and, and allowing us to tell a little bit uh, of our stories uh, and of our current fight. Well, we certainly stand in solidarity with the living victims of the Tulsa Race Massacre and the descendants and Tiffany and both of you, Greg. And thank you for taking the time to speak to us today. I know you're busy planning for this incredible celebration um, as the centennial approaches, but you can learn more about the commemoration running from May 28th to June 19th at blackwallstreetlegacyfest.com and follow all the folks that Greg mentioned. <laughs> I think this work is so powerful. And of course, um, the Crutcher Foundation as well, uh, it bears naming specifically also that you know, listeners, please feel free to go support them as well. Uh, it's powerful work that y'all are doing. Uh, so with that, I, I want to just thank you both for joining me today. And um, we wish you every success with the centennial. Thank you. Thank you so much. Powerful. Thank you, Monique. And we'd like to acknowledge Jerry Johnson, senior editor at Human Rights Watch, for helping curate today's conversation. The Reconstruction is a project of Impact Alpha. The steering committee includes Erica Seth Davies and Carrie Hansen, with thanks to Dr. Jillian Marcel. We have benefited from the wisdom of our brain trust of more than a dozen leaders in the field. To send us your favorite quote or ideas for future guests who you think represent the principles of the reconstruction, email us at tr at impactalpha.com. Impact Alpha's editor is David Bank, and our producer is Isaac Silk. Special thanks to Lainika Little and Cesar Chavez. You can see Impact Alpha's reconstruction coverage at impactalpha.com slash the dash reconstruction and sign up for our mailing list to learn when new episodes are released. The Reconstruction Podcast is free of charge, but it's powered by Impact Alpha subscribers. Join us. ImpactAlpha.com slash subscribe.